where it says that, behold, he stands at the door and knocks. And so he asks for permission. He does not do it by force. In his knocking towards us, you know, he doesn't uh, impose anything on us. It's all by invitation. It's all by choice. And the foundation of it is love. Hey everyone, my name is Kelvin. Welcome back to another episode of Elevate Retake. Today on the podcast, I sat down with Pastor Semu, who gave us the message this past weekend. And we talked about just how important it is to ask, seek, and knock, but in that particular order. It was just me and him, but he gave such great insight to the message, and I really hope that you are blessed. We are in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, and we talk about a lot of things, so I hope you can digest everything in this episode and maybe share it with a family member or a friend if you feel blessed. Here's the conversation. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Elevate Retake. My name is Kelvin, your host. We were going to have a full studio, but it's okay. We will forgive those people that didn't join the conversation. But it's okay, for some reason things happen, right? God, God's got everything under control and I have a very special guest. Now, he's been on the podcast before, but this is even more special because he gave us the message, which hopefully you've already heard by the time you hear the podcast. So uh, I'm going to have him introduce himself and maybe say a little bit about himself. Hello, uh, those who are tuning in to uh, Elevate Retake. My name is Semu Siolonga, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at King Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I'm blessed, and I'm glad to be a part of this uh, Elevate podcast yeah. episode uh, this week. Uh, thank you, Calvin, for the invitation. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't help but have you here since you gave us the word. And so something that we ask all of our guests, and you've answered this question before here on the podcast, but we'd like to know what makes you who you are. I answered that uh, what, two podcasts ago, I think. I think it was and, two uh, weeks ago, yeah. Let's see if I have a different answer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think one of the things that uh, makes me who I am is uh, my identity in Christ and mm. just really um, being intentional and reminding myself of that, uh, not only in the morning or on the daily, but uh, every moment, every second of the day. Mm. There are situations that I may face that uh, may um, hinder that thought or you know that fact and so I think uh, just about knowing uh, what God has done on my behalf, uh, not only for the world, but me personally, mm. I now recognize that I am a son and you are a daughter of the most high living God. It's interesting you mentioned that I was, I mentioned I was with my Pathfinders from my local church in Glen Rose this past weekend and, and their, their, uh, their theme for the weekend was no Jesus, no peace. Mm. But they used the word N, sorry, K-N-W-T. Sorry, K N O W, right? No Jesus, no peace. But they also had highlighted the N O part, which meant if you don't know Jesus, you don't have peace, right? Wow. So no Jesus, no peace. Mm-hmm. And so when I was getting ready for the conversation today, I was like, man, I have, I'm going to have to answer the question. Also, you know what? What makes me who I am? I thought, man, the fact that I know Jesus gives me peace, right? And that's huge for me and kind of my identity and and kind of how much I stress over things. And so. If I had to answer that question, that would be, that would be my answer. So mm-hmm. uh, we are running through our righteousness by heart series. We're going over the best sermon, greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we have been uh, talking about a lot of stuff that Jesus has done very intentionally. Um, I don't think that Jesus just came up with this sermon on the fly. Mm. I think some of the things that he said were very 
intentional in the order that he, I guess, taught or preached them. And so since we've gone through the series, excluding this week, because, you know, your message might be your favorite, um, <laughs> what do you, what, what's been maybe your favorite part of our journey so far through the Sermon on the Mount? Is there a message that kind of stands out to you? I like to ask people when we dive deeper into, into series, mm-hmm. what, what has been your favorite part of the series? And is there a message that's kind of stood out to you? Well, I think, you know, uh, one of the favorite parts has just been the title itself, Righteousness by Heart. And um, I'm always reminded of the uh, quote that I heard in a sermon in the past where um, at the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Ooh. And it, um, you know, it reminds me that Jesus, Jesus is not so much interested in the change of behavior, but rather in the transformation mm-hmm. of your heart. And then everything else falls into place. And so I really loved uh, last week's message with Pastor Michael talking about do not judge. And he and he, he kind of kicked it, kicked off the series where uh, Jesus laid down the foundation in reading five and six. Now he says, hey, go and make it applicable, practical in your life. Hmm. And so I think it's just um, uh, not so much in being practical or doing things out of uh, trying to change our behavior or trying to show others that our behavior has changed but rather doing things out of the uh, flow of God's love in our hearts that has transformed us. Now we are now uh, loving others because of the transformation and not so much just to, you know, show others that, you know, mm. that there could possibly be something there. Right. Uh, yeah. I-, I love that, that the fact that whatever we, we got to get the heart right and then everything else comes out of that. Mm. We, everything else will come out of that. Uh, when he first mentioned the series to me and kind of what he thought was going to go on with, with the few weeks or the couple of months that we we're going to do righteousness by heart, I thought of Samuel when he walked into the house of Jesse, right? And he saw Eliab and he was like, oh boy, there's the king. I see him. <laughs> and God has to tell him, hey, remember, you can look at everything you want outside, but I look mm, at the heart. Yes. And so you may think all these brothers look like kings, but I want the little scrawny kid <laughs> outside taking care of sheep because his right. heart is where I want it. So I, I like, I love your answer. I, I think it's, it's so important to understand, and we forget that from what our heart, if our heart is transformed, everything else kind of just goes along. That's right. And God fixes everything else. So this week's message, uh, Matthew 7, and it was based on verses 7 through 12, I believe, if I'm correct. Yes. Um, ask, seek, and knock. Now, this is something we've heard before. There's another verse kind of similar to this, right? Seek and ask what how does it go um yeah, there's, there's a uh there's similar uh, verses in a, in a chapter before a right chapter, matthew yeah, 6? In six yeah and it talks about prayer as well where he introduces you know the the lord's prayer and all mm-hmm. that there yeah. so you mentioned i think it was towards the beginning that this um this maybe was talking about about prayer but it also had to do with how we interacted with other people mm. and i think i kind of want you to explain you know Sometimes I think we read this passage and we think, oh, this is just all about prayer. And I can just ask God whatever I want and seek him and boom, he'll give me whatever. But it's not about that, right? Right. And, uh, you know, um, in studying for this message, you know, I thought I was going to particularly preach on something talking about prayer. Mm. But when I read um, more closely into the context of chapter 7, and I praise the Lord for our for those who translated the Bible because you know we're able to read the Bible in mm-hmm. our own language and understand. But I think you know in the headings it was there it was made by the translators. But I think in the original language, 
uh, verses 1 to 12 is one thought by Jesus. Mm. And so it's interesting that uh, it begins by do not judge, chapter 1. And I think uh, it goes all the way up to uh, verse 12 of uh, verse of chapter 7, where then Jesus now sums it up. Therefore, yeah, you know, uh, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. And so I think 1 to 12 was one thought. And so I looked at uh, verses 1 to 6 uh, more more intently. And so, you know, in verses 1 and uh, was it 3, it talks about do not judge. 3 and 4, you know, worry about the own speck in your eye. Mm-hmm. And then uh, verse 6, you know, uh, don't cast uh, pearls before swine. Right. Translation, uh, don't, uh, you know, don't impose truth on others. Mm-hmm. And he goes directly into verse 7. It's like, instead, ask, seek, mm. and knock, and it'll be given to you. And you will find, and the door will be open unto you. So kind of in, in this context, I looked at verse 7 and 8 differently now. I was like, mm. wait a minute. Is Jesus trying to not only tell us not what to do, but what to do instead mm. through the lens of verse 12 of do unto others as you want them to do unto you. So those are kind of the lenses that we look at verses 1 to 11. Mm. So, uh, so I, I, you know, I just wanted to come from a different perspective of verses 7 and 8. And now it's not so much, uh, uh, there is element in prayer in there, but sure. now 7 and 8 uh, kind of... Uh, have a different we have a different view of seven and eight now yeah where maybe it's in our in our interaction with others jesus is talking about ask seek and knock so let me ask you a question i have never heard this before so why is it that I can't, do you think Jesus was intentional with the order? Why is it that I can't knock and then ask and then seek? Why can't I seek, knock, and then ask? Why Why do I have to ask, seek, and then knock? Is there a reason you think why Jesus did those three in that order? Oh, yeah, great question. And um, I think, you know, he did do it in order of not so much in, of importance, but maybe urgency, um, meaning mm-hmm. that, um, you know, in our conversations with people we know or do not know, it usually asks with, you know, it usually starts with questions, okay. asking. And so I think there is kind of a, an opportunity of how to uh, establish and connect with the person. And so he says, ask. And then, you know, maybe, and then seeking maybe is towards maybe those who we have known in the past or we know currently. Mm. Maybe there's some distance now between us. And, then, you know, are we seeking them out or how, how, are, how are we seeking them out for the benefit of the kingdom? And then knock, I, you know, uh, it was coming from the perspective of, you know, if there's a wall or a separation there, uh, maybe there's a, a, a something that has happened in the past where uh, there's something that is blocking there, you know, and, uh, you know, not do not uh, try and kick down the door or, you know, try and force your way in, but they rather knock, you know, and he gives us the picture in Revelation 320, right, where he's knocking in the door of our hearts, you know, mm-hmm. and he doesn't force his way in. But out of it, a foundation of love, mm. he's knocking for an opportunity to be invited in. So, you know, knocking is more of um, um, wait for the invitation to come in. Yeah. Don't force yourself. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that you kind of expounded on that because if anyone is listening, I think it makes us now, when we read the Bible, read it extremely more careful mm-hmm. because now everything that is there is intentionally there for a reason, right? They're they're there for a reason, especially throughout this entire Sermon on the Mount. We've seen that that Jesus says things on purpose 
because they go together. And we kind of see it here at the end with the golden rule as the, as the message finishes, you know, the verses that we're studying, it all comes together with, with the golden rule, which is mm. really interesting. In the, in the translation that I was reading, I, I've been uh, reading off the New Living Translation and uh, Matthew 7, it says, keep on asking mm. and keep on seeking and keep on knocking. And I mentioned to you before we started recording that I was actually talking to my dad um, as we've been driving back and forth from, from Glen Rose, had 40 minutes in the car to just kind of talk. And we kind of discussed something that's going to come up here that I want to ask you about. You said something interesting that I think a lot of people forget. You said asking is not a debate. Hmm. It's not about forcing your way in. When someone is in close proximity of you, you ask. What if you also said something else that I love? What if we had more conversations instead of condemnation? Mm. And I want to ask and get your thoughts. Why do you think in our society it's so hard or why are we afraid to ask questions now? Because it feels like if we're asking questions, then we should be having good conversations, right? But right. I feel like we go straight toward the well, you did it wrong and da 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 <laughs> without having to even asked the question as to maybe what happened or what it was. Why do you think our society is so afraid to ask questions? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the reasons or in my own experience is, you know, we're afraid to ask questions uh, because of how we would be perceived on the other end of that question. Okay. And sometimes, you know, um, <clears throat> um, maybe the question, the question that we ask um is measure uh, the question we ask measures our knowledge or measures uh, you know who we are or what we believe in, and there's a possibility that if we ask that question, the other person on the other side of that question would be like, "Man, does this guy know what he's talking about?" <laughs> or you know, why does he believe in what he believes in? Or yeah. you know, he or he's flat out wrong, or he or she is flat out wrong. Mm. And so I think you know that's one of the the um, perceptions is that you know if you ask the more questions you ask, means the less you know. Mm. And uh, in this day and age, you know, uh, people. Are, are so fast to uh, jump to conclusions when you ask many questions. We're quick to judge. Quick to judge. Like, 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 last like Michael week. said, right? <laughs> and uh, I think the other um, reason for uh, the being afraid to ask questions is um, they're just afraid to uh, to get within, you know, uh, an argument or you know, to 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 be in that circumstance where you have to, you know, uh, show facts, you have to show evidence of what you believe in and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And maybe you know, it's a it's a factor where you don't really know the evidence or, or you don't really know what you believe in, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it 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 calls you to the floor. It makes you accountable in that situation. And you know, so you were told from holding uh, from asking questions, you're like, nah, I was just uh, you know, stay in my lane here. Yeah. <laughs> But you can't, you can't like grab hold of the rest of the message that you gave us and the Bible's given us without asking first mm. and without having that interaction with people. And I don't know if maybe Jesus was dead, headed down that rabbit hole and I don't know how he said it, but I think we're, we're lacking a, a conversational side nowadays. Like if we just could sit down, like we're sitting down right now in a room with two couches and some water and just kind of like, hash whatever issue we have out or just like to get to know someone, we'd be in such a better state, I think, personally, right. um, than where we are right now. And you know what? I'll jump down that rabbit hole for a second. <laughs> my uh, my dad has been a head elder for whew, 20 years, mm. seen it all. And uh, 
when we lived in Tennessee, especially, he he would have he would have members come up to him and be like, "Well, hey, Raul, uh, well, did you hear about uh what this member did or or da 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 or what do you think about this?" And my dad would say, "Have you talked to them?" No. Okay, then I'm gonna have you go talk to them <laughs> and find out. It's like, why come to me? When you can ask them all your questions you want right. and, and, and figure out the issue, you never even had to go to anybody else. And so we were talking about this in the car, like, man, this is so big. We just need to be able to talk to each other. That's it. And, uh, you know, having healthy conversations uh, at the end of the day, you may not uh, believe or you may not uh, uh, agree on sure. the same point or whatnot. But the, the, the main thing is you're connecting and you're having a relationship yes. despite all that. And, you know, I think people miss the point where there's uh, the person behind the question is the is, is the main is the, is the main idea of having a conversation. Mm. It's not so much to uh, uh, make your come across as right and make them wrong, but rather it's an opportunity to connect mm -hmm. with the person. And you mentioned it in the message. Jesus did it all the time. Mm. Every time that he talked to somebody, there's usually a question <laughs> thrown in there somewhere. Right. And it was a perfect time for that person. Although Jesus already knowing their heart and everything, it was perfect time for that person to then open up and begin to to answer so that Jesus could then help them with what they needed, right? Mm -hmm. Not that he couldn't either way, but I think it was a great lesson. It's like, man, if, if you don't talk to your brothers and sisters and ask them questions, how are you ever going to know what they're missing right. or what they need? Um, And, and I love how, how you kind of made that your first big point because I think it's something that we— are missing, especially when Jesus did it all the time. And you mentioned what three hundred something questions. There's so many questions if you, if you count within the uh, four gospels, and many times he answered a question with a question. Yeah. So, so I believe that people went away, kind of you know scratching their <laughs> head, like what did he really mean? But I think that was the point where he wasn't he wasn't really so much in uh, uh, focus on clarity, and you know, mm. but he's more focused on just connecting, having a conversation with them. And if they went away with their head scratching, they maybe that was the opportunity to go and learn more on their own, you know. And, Luke 15, the first couple of verses are the Pharisees criticizing him for sitting down with people that are, you know, publicans and sinners, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting that everything that Jesus has talked about so far in these six verses, he does himself. Mm. He's not preaching stuff that he has not, like, done or experienced himself. And he was constantly seeking out others that weren't like him. He was a, a constantly, he was with the worst of the worst. He was with all the criminals and the sinners and the people that the Pharisees couldn't even stand to be nearby. Mm. Those are the people that Jesus was after. And it's funny that the Pharisees are, are, are attacking him for being around those type of people when that's like my biggest praise because I'm a sinner, <laughs> you know? It's like, right. bring on bring on Jesus, bring him over here, you know? And so I, I, th I love the, the seek aspect of the message, not only understanding, like you said, that God is seeking us constantly, mm -hmm. but that once we've realized that, he's also called us, and it's now our mission to seek others right. and, and let them know about the God that we serve. So we've asked, we've sought, <laughs> seeked, <laughs> I guess in the past tense, right? and now we're knocking. Um, you gave an example, and you kind of gave an analogy about 
the difference between the way Jesus does this knocking and the way maybe the Roman soldiers and empire kind of does this. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, back then it was a practice of, you know, because the Roman government was in charge of the government back then. And so, you know, many times uh, they got their message across uh, of who they were and what they stood for by force. And uh, so one of the illegal practices that they had back then was, you know, the Roman soldiers, whenever they were out in the fields and, you know, they're, they needed something to eat or someplace to sleep for the night. Uh, they would go to the um, nearby homes there. Mm. And it wasn't their practice to knock and ask for permission. They would kick down your door and demand hospitality, demand something to eat, and demand somewhere to sleep for the night. And so, you know, um, you were tasked with this if you're on the other side of the door by force. It wasn't because you wanted to do it. It's because you had to do it. And so it's interesting that Jesus gives the opposite, you know, illustration in Revelation 3, verse 20, where it says that, behold, he stands at the door and knocks. And so he asks for permission. He does not do it by force. And, you know, uh, going back to the title, Righteousness by Heart, in his knocking towards us, you know, he doesn't uh, impose anything on us. It's all by invitation. It's mm -hmm. all by choice. And the foundation of it is love. And so, you know, despite uh, what the people were used to back then, He's now giving, you know, another solution, you know, or, or uh, a contrast uh, to how he operates, mm. where he operates out of love and he asks for an invitation to come in. Yeah, I love that. And you can see that all the way back to the beginning of time <laughs> with Adam and Eve. People always say, well, man, why didn't he just not make the tree and make everything perfect? So there was no sin. He's like, well, he wanted to make sure that these two things would love him, right? And, and he had to make it a a free will that he had to give them some type of choice. Right. It had to be their own initiative to obey and to listen to, to what he had to say. And so uh, the quote that you gave was so great. Um, I think I have it here. All the power in the world cannot unlock the door to the human heart. It must be opened from the inside. Mm. Jesus is never going to bust the door down or force you. We have to be the one to open the door and, and let him in. That's right. It's interesting that you brought up uh, Adam and Eve. I think we see ask, seek, and knock there as well. Remember, okay, I remember, How so? remember after they fell, Adam and Eve, after they ate, ate the forbidden ate the fruit, fruit, he asked the question, right? Yeah, he said, where are you? Where are you? But all the time, he knew the answer to the question. Sure. They were there. <laughs> and he was seeking as well, mm. you know? And uh, he provided, you know, uh, righteousness. He provided a, a plan of salvation there as well. And he took on. Uh, the devil right away or you know mm -hmm. the serpent he speaks to him and tells him what's going to happen because you have tempted his people and uh, like you said you know if he doesn't not uh, he doesn't knock by force and he doesn't um he doesn't come in you know just to force his way in but you know he allowed adam and eve to make that choice for themselves so we've gotten through the three main principles and before we get to the golden rule i want to ask how how does this kind of all tie in back to what we mentioned at the beginning with prayer? Mm. Ask, seek, and knock. This is is this just mean that I can just get on my knees and ask God for everything and anything I want, and it's all gonna work out as long as I let Him Him, and all my requests will be granted? I don't think it works like that. Tie tie those three things in for me with when it comes to prayer. As a, um, you know the. I believe that the prayer within this context that he's talking about in verses nine to eleven. Um, in our interaction with others is not so much a prayer where we're, at, where we're asking for things on our behalf. Ooh, or more, okay. But more so it's about uh, praying for others, intercessory prayer, standing in the gap, uh, you know, of loved ones that we know 
uh, who are in need of prayer, mm. friends and fam families in the communities that are in need of us standing in the gap for them. And, uh, you know, and the the opportunity that he gives us uh, or the illustration of prayer that he gives us uh, is also um, present truth. And many times people ask, you know, what, what is present truth to you? And um, I always answer the same way. Present truth to me is uh, the current location of truth, who is Jesus. Mm. And we know that through prophecy, you know, he's interceding on our behalf there in the heavenly sanctuary. And uh, uh, so there he's asking, seeking, and knocking on our behalf as our intercessor. And so now making it practical into our lives, you know, when was the last time we stood in the gap? Mm -hmm. We were, we pray for somebody that way and asking and seeking, you know, him to, uh, you know, to have mercy and grace upon them in their time of need. And, uh, you know, I think this uh, prayer is relevant and is needed uh, much today uh, by Christians and uh, for myself speaking, you know, I have family, friends and loved ones who, you know, who are not, um, who don't realize, you know, that they need Jesus in their lives. But in the meantime, before they had the opportunity to make the decision or in the in, in the wishes that they do make the decision for Christ, in the meantime, am I standing in the gap for them mm. in, in, in intercessory prayer, uh, in asking and seeking and knocking, uh, you know, in love uh, for them yeah. that way? I think the, the, the concept of intercessory prayer is, has so much power mm. that we don't even know. Uh, if you asked my dad, he uh, he left the house at eighteen, mm. went to go, and he'll tell you he went to go live the wild life, moved, came over here from the states from Puerto Rico, and just lived it up. Never stepped foot in a church for twenty years, uh, but little did he know that his mom mm. back in Puerto Rico, every single day, three times a day, was praying for him and his brother. And my dad will tell you there's times when he could have been dead, times when he could have been seriously hurt, times when his life could have been in danger. And when he came back to the church, kind of through meeting my mom, he'll tell you that the only reason why he's there is because of those prayers that were happening on that little island of Puerto Rico Amen. many miles away. Mm. And so I I I felt I felt it when when you were talking about this at the end. When was the last time that we stood in the gap for someone? Mm. You know, when was the last time that we really intentionally was were were asking and seeking and knocking for somebody else? Mm -hmm. You know that we knew needed some extra prayer, needed some some help. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening. I hope you understood that ask, seeking, and knocking can have different meanings when it involves prayer, but also how we treat others. And Jesus is the perfect example of the golden rule. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can connect with us through Instagram in the link in the description, as well as leave us a voice message through our Anchor app. Above all else, we seek to build a thoughtful community through podcasting, and we're so grateful that you're here. If you liked what you heard today or it challenged you to think in a different way, consider sharing this episode with a friend you don't know who you could bless by just simply clicking the share button. My name is Kelvin, and I'll catch you on the next episode of Elevate Retake.